you are in for a treat because Bill is sharing his very first lesson on sales, Secrets of the Best Salespeople. I hope you're ready. Now let's see what he's got to say. Really grateful that you're here, glad you're here, and, uh, and hope that if I don't get a chance before Christmas, I hope that you have a good Christmas this year as well too. That's our goal. Glad you're here. Now, let's up. Uh, today I'm going to talk about a lesson that I've never taught before. You'd think I had. I really looked back and said out of 6,000-something leadership lessons, I've never done one on this one simple common subject that probably half of you are involved in, uh, and that is selling. I had somebody call me recently and said, listen, look through your stuff. Give me anything you got on selling. I know it'd be good. And so I started looking, and I've got everything on Evernote, which is thousands of different lessons. And I said, I've never done one on selling. And so I started thinking, well, let me, what would I do if I was going to do that? So I went quickly and started studying and reading and got a couple of books and, and know, knew some salespeople and, uh, and really got intrigued. So I got a lesson for you today. It'll be real brief, real quick. Nothing really phenomenal, but something you'll say, okay, I can do that. And I call it the secrets of the best salespeople, the very secrets of the very best salespeople. Joe Girard is the inventor of what we call affiliate marketing. Um, Joe is also called the greatest salesman that ever lived. Uh, let me tell you what he did. He's a car salesman, and here's some of the stats. I have them in your notes as well. He's in the Guinness's Book of Records as the greatest salesman 12 years in a row for selling 13,001 car. He had to put that one in, I guess, to break the record. 13,001 car at a Chevrolet dealership between 1963 and 1978. And I get this, if you're a car salesman, you know how hard this is. Average six new retail sales per day. That's no used cars, just new. Six per day that he sold. He one time sold 18 new cars in one day. He sold 174 new cars in a month, sold 1,425 new cars in a year. And again, all retail, no fleet is included in this, and no wholesale is included. These are individual, one-on-one-on-one, on one on one, and he's never been in management. He just did that. When I'd heard about him, I studied his life. I said, okay, I'm gonna make about two days of every time I get a chance, if on a plane or by myself or wherever, I'm gonna learn what this guy's sauce is because anybody that does that, they've got something. Uh, and, and I believe this to begin with. We are all salespeople, every one of us. We may not like to call ourselves that, but we are. Uh, but there are some people that get paid for it. Uh, they're actually called salespeople, salesmen, saleswomen, and they call it a job of sales. But the truth is, every single one of you sell. I sell. We all sell. We're selling all the time. We may not do it in the same way, but we're all doing it in some way or another. So before you write it off and say it doesn't apply to me, some of this stuff I think will be fun. I think it'll be informative. And I honestly know it'll be self-awareness for us. But, but when we're selling ourselves, think of it this way. We sell ourselves to strangers or to friends if we're trying to impress them or make a connection. You know, we do that. We, we, we let them know who we are, what, we, what we're about, what our values are, and all that kind of stuff. I remember years ago, the Bank of the West flew down, we were making a large loan, and the Bank of the West flew two of their presidents to Columbus, and they came in and sat in my office, and here's what they said. We want to know about you. We've done all the research we can, but in the end, this loan is not about the company or the church, it's about you. If you don't live out or live long or you mess up, 
it's going to go under no matter who's on your board. So they said, we want to spend a whole day learning about you. And based on that loan that we got, there was several million. It was really more about learning on the person. And I remember thinking then, and they put a lot of that. So you know what I had to do? I had to sell myself. And I had to let them see the past, the present, and what I hope be the future. We're all doing that. We, we sell ourselves to our kids. You know, that's why when you sell yourself to your kid, you're always telling them how to learn, what to do, the good things. No parent ever sat down with his kid and said, look, I just want to be honest with you, kid. Uh, I was a loser in life. Never been nothing but a loser. You know, I failed at everything. Okay? I, I can't do nothing. I have no skills. I have no talent. I have no friends. I just, I'm nothing. Uh, you don't want to do that to your kid. You know, you don't want your kid walk out the door and say, Dad's a loser. He told me he was. Okay? We all do it, but he knows. Uh, you, you don't want them to think less of you, so you're always selling them. And by the way, we know this when we tell our kids, the, the older we get, the better we were, you know? I mean, when I, when I was a, I, I, you know, we all do it. I remember one time telling my wife, you know, man, when we, when we was in school, here's how we played. And we showed her that. And one time, I happened to be with some friends, and, and they said, uh, Bill, this is the coolest thing. They said, we want to we wanna show the... Uh, so an, an old film of football back, you know, 40 years ago. And I thought, man, that'd be great. After about two minutes, I'm like, okay, we can cut that off now. <laughs> we weren't that good. You know? <laughs> we thought we were good. We were good in our own mind. Even though the black and white tried to make it slow, it still wasn't that good. And so I was like, okay, it was better when I told the story than it is when you watch it, okay? But we're always selling, and we're selling in good ways. Sometimes we're selling great products, sometimes not. In fact, major, uh, mo most major media, social media, it's really about selling. That's all. You ever see how people sell themselves on social media? You think, man, they have, what a great life. Look at them, look where they're standing and what they're doing. You know the real them. You said, they're not doing anything. <laughs> I don't want their life, but it sure looked good on Instagram. And so we're all doing that now. There are then those sales jobs. Uh, several years ago, I did, a, I, I, I did a contract for a while for a company that was venture capitalist, and they owned a lot of restaurants. And so they invited me to come once a year, actually every six months, and do their leadership training. So I would meet there with people from all over America that they ran the restaurants. And they'd bring in their sales teams and their marketing teams and, and all the rest. And, and, so I would be the keynote speaker, but I'd spend the day going around to their seminars and listening to how they sold. And, and the ones I loved the most was the bartenders. I'd sneak in there to the bartenders meeting and just sit there and listen to the bartenders talk about how to get the money. And I learned a lot of tricks. That's why they keep, um, that's why they keep salty items like peanuts and pretzels on the bar, because if your mouth is salty, you drink more. That's why they put tip jars there, and they'll, usually it'll be their own $10 bill, but they'll take a five or a 10 and stick it in there because they think if you put small change, people will tip you change. But if you put big bills, they'll want to do what others do. So they had all these little tips. I learned that sometimes the special of the day, the meal, was really what they had left over this week they couldn't sell. So we hocked it off as a special. Uh, I learned that waitresses who were peppy and gave them space made more in tips and that waitresses that complained or griped about their family and their problems and the car broke down they didn't get much in tips you ever had one of those waitresses you know you come up to you and you're thinking you're gonna take an order and they won't tell you how bad it is it's terrible and this is going wrong and and what it was saying is you don't make much tips so i learned about that now what i say about salespeople that i do know is this you salespeople first of all are the some of the hardest working people i think they get undervalued i think salespeople really make uh, they, they make the world a better place 
They're hardworking. Uh, they, they have to take no for an answer. Many of them get rejected a lot. And the truth is, how would you like it if your income all the time was dependent on just what you sold? I mean, it, it's really tough. It's a lot harder on some of them because they don't have a guaranteed coming in, this is the way it's done. So when I looked at that, I thought, well, listen, I want to know what Joe Gerard had. What was this guy's secret that kept him in the game that year after year after year after year after year, for 13 years in a row, he's number one in the world? How do you do it that long? I mean, that, that was either a great skill, a gift, or he understood human psychology. But somehow, this guy was top of the game. So here's his secret sauce. Here's what I found. And it's not going to be, it's, it's so simple, you're going to say, what? But it obviously works, okay? Here's his principles. He had three. Number one, be honest and never lie to your customers. Be honest and never lie to your customers. Now think about that. Just be honest off the bat. That means being honest with yourself. Ask yourself the question, am I willing to cheat or take shortcuts to get what I want? If you're willing to cheat to get what you want or lie to get that sale, that's not a good sign. And, and so what Joe is saying is, is be honest. Just up front, be honest. When he says never lie to your customers, what he's saying is this. When you break trust, you lose them. You know, when, when, when they realize you're not telling me the truth here, or this product won't do this, or you don't stand behind it, or you can't get it on this date, once they know that, when you break trust, that's when the relationship starts going sour. The truth is, if you can't do what is asked, I think people appreciate being honest and tell them I can't. I bought a car about seven years ago, and it was an interesting thing. I, I drove up to one dealership. It was a BMW dealership, and it was in Atlanta, and I drove up, and I walked over and looked at this car, and the sales guy comes out, and we start talking, and I tell him what I'm interested in. He said, what do you want? I told him what kind of ride I wanted, how I wanted to feel on the road, how often I'm on the road, and all this stuff, parking, all this and he looked at me and he said, sir, I want to tell you something. He said, something inside me tells me you're a very honest man. Now, I don't know what, if he was telling me that to sell me or what. He said, but there's something in me. And then he, started, he said, I'm a Christian. And I thought, well, that's odd. And he said, and there's a voice in my spirit saying, if I lie to you, I'll pay for it. Now, I'd never had that before with any salesman. So I'm thinking, where's he going? He said, the car you're wanting is at the dealership across the street. We don't even sell it. He said, now, I'm telling you, go over there and check out. And he gave me the model number. You go check that car. And if that's the one you want, buy it. And uh, be glad I gave you this advice. If it's not, come back and we'll see if there's something that works. But I just got a strange feeling. And he said, I've never done this before. But I'm sending you away because I feel I better be honest to you. And I don't know what that was about, but I thought, wow, that's okay. So I went across the street. I thought, most people wouldn't do that. Most people would talk you into getting what they've got. So I go across the street, sure enough, found what I wanted, bought it. I drove back over there and told him that. He was happy as could be for it, no problem at all. And that was one of the guys I walked away from thinking, now, there was an honest salesman. If I want to buy that car, that's, that's where you want to go. You want to go to somebody that will at least tell you the truth, even if it's not, they're not going to benefit from it. And so part of the things is this. I believe this. If you're honest, you don't have to oversell. You ever seen somebody oversell over the top? They just keep on. If you're honest, you don't have to. You can say, here it is, but that's the best I can do. Now, I want to be up front with you. There's some customers you don't want, okay? Let's be honest. Because there are some customers you don't want. There are people in this right now, you business owners thinking, I don't want them clients. 
Some of your pastors, by the way, you know the truth. Let's be honest. There's some people you don't want as part of your church, okay? I mean, that's not unspiritual. You're just saying, when they say, we prayed about it, we go to so-and-so's church, you want to say, thank God. He answered my prayer too. So there's certain clients we don't want, you know. You don't, want, you don't want the client that comes in and, or the customer who asks for a kickback or a bribe. You know? you don't, if he says, I'll tell you what, if you give me this deal, I can get you this. You don't want that because that's too many strings right up front. You want to be ethical in what you're doing. Uh, you, you also don't want the buyer who comes in and they abuse your employees or your, your other clients or your people or even your product. If they demean all that, Truth is, is, is they're going to ultimately demean you. Even if you make the sale, you're going to wind up getting so much complaints and having to service it so much, you're going to say it took more time and money and drained me from having to deal with that than it would have been if I had just let them pass by. And so sometimes the profit is not going to be nearly worth the headache. And so sometimes I'll give you a plea, it's okay to fire your customer, okay? It's all right sometimes. I'm just going to fire them. Okay? We're not going to go down the road together. So the first thing Joe says, he says, be honest and never lie to your customer. The second thing he says is this, though. He says, give the customer the best customer service possible. Give the best customer service possible. Now, this right here, this is what makes the difference. I can tell you what, you can take an average product and you can still do well in sales if they get good customer service. But you can have a good product and have nobody show up if the customer service is not good. We all know we bought things before that we didn't necessarily need, but the salesperson and the, and the way they presented just was so much better. We felt, you know, I, why, would I, why would I not say no? Customer service is the key. You can, you can make a poor business a great business with good customer service. And, and, and one of the things that Joe had said when I learned, learned read his life, he said, if I treat my clients who've already been customers good and solve their needs, he said, instead of neglecting them to chase new sales, because you'd think somebody made that many sales always chasing new. He said, if I'm chasing the new one, but I'm neglecting them, then I may not get the new one, but I've guaranteed I'm not getting that one back. He said, I already had them. They were my, they were my PR people. They were telling everybody about it. And then I neglected it. And what he would do is this. He'd say, now, if I'm the sales guy, the car sales guy, He'd say, I want you when you have a problem, you want to get it serviced. He said, you call me. Don't call the service department, call me. Get me on the phone and say, Joe, uh, I'm bringing my car to get serviced because then I will say, sure, I'll call Bob over at the service department. I'll make sure Bob's ready for you and got that. And I'll call Bob, Bob, you treat me sure, treat Miss Jones real sweet. And he says, I kept them coming to me because I want them to feel like they went from a customer to a friend. He said, you move them from a customer to a friend, and now you have a long-term relationship. And so the key there is, is making sure that you're staying engaged with and keeping up with the customer. Now, he would do in those early days, this was years ago, he would do birthday cards to everybody that ever bought from him. Once a month, he would do a luncheon. And at the luncheon, what he would do is, is he would have uh, free preets and all that brought in, but he'd invite every former customer, stop by and have lunch with me once a month. And he said, as a result, he was keeping sales going all the time. Most of the time, he said, I didn't have to go out and work hard to get a sale. I just walked in, shook hands with an old friend. We walked in and closed the deal, and he walked out the door. But he'd been doing it so long, doing it so right, they wouldn't think of going anywhere else. Folks, that's what sales is. That's, it's caring for the people that you have. And if you, and if you take care of them, that doesn't mean this. You ever heard those saying, the customer's always right? 
Now, now that's not true, okay? Think that through. Some of your customers got the stupidest ideas in the world, okay? I mean, I'm just, I have been, I pastored a church for 36 years, and I have great members, but not all of them always right. They'd come to me sometime with some ideas. they say, Brother Bill, here's what we ought to do. And after half of it got out of their mouth, I'd be thinking, yeah, and we'd all be leaving next week. <laughs> I mean, we'd blow the whole place up doing that. Are you crazy? But you, you, gotta be, you, you show people respect. You be nice. And you can listen to it. You don't have to say, is that the stupidest idea? Or do you have others? You, you don't have to do that. But you can be respectful, but the customer's not always right. Even the, the company's not always right. Nobody's always right. And so you throw that kind of, it's a great bumper sticker, but it don't work in real life. You have to say right is right, whether it's the customer, the employer, whatever. Now we want to deal with that. So you work from that point. In fact, I'll show you what's interesting. Customer service has been proven so well lately. I don't know if you've been to Best Buy lately. Um, Best Buy, a couple of years ago, didn't have the best customer service. They're good products, but not the best service. And over the last few years, a new leadership has come in, and they've started telling all the employees, customer service is our gig. More than our appliances, it's our service. And you treat people well, and you give them honest answers. And so I've had it tested in the last, I've had it tested twice in one day this week. And in both cases, we finally asked one of the guys, said, did they teach y'all that about customer service? And he brought up the same thing I just quoted. He said, actually, a couple of years ago, we got new leadership. And they said, if you don't know the answer, say, I don't know, but I'll find out. Uh, let me have your number, I'll call you. And said, they've taught us. It's no longer, you can find it over there, or we don't have it, or well, I'm sorry. It's not that anymore. It's, I will help you to find it. Let me, let me see what I can do for you. And he said, and literally because of that, the company is taking off again. Now, that works in any field. Good customer service is the key. And, and so you understand. Now, I say along that line, this, um, you got to learn to outperform your competitors. And the best way you can do it is customer service. You may not have all the tools, but you can win them with better customer service. When I pastored a church, let me tell you what happened. We weren't always the largest facility. We didn't have the, the best in sound and lighting and seating and all that. We didn't have all that. But the one thing I knew we could do as well as anybody was we loved everybody that walked in that door. And I would tell the staff each week in meetings, I'd say, everybody's a VIP. When they walk in that door, you don't know what they're going through, what they've been through, what they're praying about. So everybody's a VIP. And I never forget one time, our church was really growing. We were in a small building, not even located where we were. We, we were somewhere else. But we had three services, people just packing out the doors. And I remember one Sunday morning, I talked to a man that came out the door, and, uh, and he was an older, distinguished man, well off, had a lot of money, a lot of influence in town, um, but he was a loner. He didn't have a wife. His wife had passed away. And he was standing at the back door as he walked out, and I thanked him for coming. I, I realized he could have been in any other church. And I said, I want to thank you for coming. Our facilities wasn't near what anybody else's was. And I said, then, I hope you're getting something out of it. He said, Brother B, I'll tell you what I get, that I get nowhere else. He said, places I go, people know I have a lot of money. He said, so everybody comes at me with their hand out. He said, when I go other places sometimes, he said, I may sit in some softer seats or, or a better building. And at that time, our buildings weren't much. He said, but the thing I get here that I don't get in other places, I get respect and love. He said, you did not know my worth. You didn't know my name. You didn't know any of that. 
And he says, and you treated me like you loved me before you found out all that. And he said, that's the reason I come. And I thought then, you, you, can, you can win that game all day long. All day long you can do that if you will love the people regardless of what you think. See, we judge people too quickly. We quickly assess people. And when we do, that can get us in trouble. In fact, I'll give you a quick illustration of that when we talk about sales. I had an old man that told me years ago when he worked at Bill Hurd Chevrolet. There was a Chevrolet dealership in Columbus. And he said, I was sitting there one day when a, a man drove up in a pickup truck. And he says, and I looked out and saw the old man. And he said, and I, I thought, well, it's not my time. It's this sales guy's time. And he looked out there and said, ah, I'm not kicking tires with him. So he said, uh, all right, how about you? And he said, the other guy looked at him and said, nah. He said, let him look around. He said, that old man looked at them sports cars. He said, he just looking because he was parked over there by the Corvettes. So he said, it's yours. And this guy got up and walked out and said, here's what he called, he called me pastor back then. He said, pastor, I walked out there, this old man. He said, looked like he didn't have two nickels rubbed together. And he's got an old truck and he's looking at a Corvette. And he said, I said, uh, listen, you're looking for a Corvette? He said, I'm thinking he's going to go back and, you know, going through midlife something. He said, yeah, actually, he said, I, I told my grandkids when they graduated from college that I'd get them a gift. And he said, really? Yeah, they want a Corvette. And he said, they? He said, yeah. He said, I got twins graduating. And he said, I want to buy two of them. He said, you got two of these? And he paid cash for them. The old man wrote a check for both. He said, you figure it up, and I'll get both of them for him. And this guy said, I came back in the other two salesmen. You can have them. They judged this man on his old truck. They judged it on the clothes he was wearing. They judged it on all of that. And they, they walked away watching two Corvettes go out the door <laughs> because one guy just went out there and treated him with humane care. That's what, that's what real sales is. So I, I said, let me give you the last one Joe said. The last thing Joe said was this, love your customers. He said every customer from him would get a birthday card, they had lunch, whatever. But he said the, the secret is you got to love your customers. And, and, and you know this, people can feel it if you love them. They can feel it. I promise you, if I could get that message across, people feel whether it's authentic or not. They feel it. Don't think they don't. Children feel it. They know. They feel it. Even your animals can feel. You know, your animals, they have a better instinct sometimes than some humans do. And many of us don't realize that people can tell whether they're really liked or not. I can tell you this one, and you can take this in the bank. You ask people of a different race, can they feel it? They can feel it. They absolutely can feel it. They can feel whether you love or not. You ask a child or somebody who's been through some abuse or, or, or a dysfunctional home, can they feel it if that teacher or that person loves it? They can feel it. They know it. They know all along. And so you're not fooling anybody by being somebody else. That's why I want to help you. If you're in the sales business, you've learned a lot of things perhaps that I would say throw out. Throw out all this stuff that says this is how you walk, this is how you talk, this is what you do, this is what you connect with. You get all that canned stuff. You know, oh, you were a school teacher? My aunt was a school teacher. You find all those connection points. Throw that stuff out. Just be yourself. Just be you. And, and they can feel if you love them or not. They know that. They know if it's legit or not. All you have to do is just kind of tune up your instincts. Your instincts are a lot better than you think they are. And so instead of doubting that, listen to what you feel. Uh, and then know this, that if they're in a business, if you've got a customer and they're in a business, send them business. Send them business. 
I mean, if, you, if you're selling something, but they also are in the business of whatever they do, whether it's landscaping or plumbing or whatever, the people that I connect with that I know, I promise you, you ought to hear me brag about you. You ought to pay me for advertising for you. <laughs> I literally say things. I, if you're a lawyer and you're a friend of mine, I got you as the best lawyer in town. If you're a doctor, you know, I got you. I, my idea is just promote the fool out of every one of you. And if you just promote the fool out of them, it, literally people will say, well, you know if Bill's talking about them, they're probably not that high, but they're up. <laughs> but I'm going to put you over the top. I mean, it's up to you. If you want to fall, that's, that's, your, that's on you. But if it's on me to build you up, I'm going to build you up. I'm going to make you out the best I've ever seen, the greatest there ever is. And if I do that long enough, it helps some of you to believe that you're that good and you get there. And then I say this, and here's another strategy along that line. Speak well of your competitors. If you want to be good in sales, speak well of your competitors. You know, you can get to be the tallest building in town if you knock everybody else down, but that's not the way you want to do it. What you want to do is say good things about them. Build them up. I made it when I was a pastor. I made it a promise. I would never go after a member of another church. And I never did in all those years. 36 years, not one time did I go after a member of another church. I wanted people that didn't go to church. Because I never wanted some pastor or some church to say they built off us or hurt us. I wanted them to know that's the best friend I've got. And the same thing, if you're in a business and you've got a competitor, don't knock them. You know, remember Hertz and Avis were in that war for years and Hertz won, you know, Hertz was the number one and Avis was number two. And Hertz would have these great big advertisements about how big they were. And I love what Avis did. Avis came out with theirs and theirs said this, we don't knock Hertz, we just try harder. That's the way to do it. If you do that and you don't pull them down, I promise you it'll make all the difference in the world. So I say to you now, the biggest key, we talk about selling, you're always selling yourself. The biggest key is understanding this. The best strategy for selling anything is to be yourself. The very best strategy for selling anything you ever want to sell is just be yourself. I hope that works for you today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Each month, we share these lessons at a live luncheon to anyone in the Columbus, Georgia area. If you would like more information on dates and times of our upcoming luncheons, you can visit bpleadership.com.